All right, good morning. Good to see you today. Are you ready to get in the Word of God? Yeah. Let me try it again. Are you ready to get in the Word of God? Yeah. Amen. You know, the one thing that we want to do in life is not limit God. We limit God when we pull back and wonder if God's going to work. We limit God when we say, I know God has done this in the past, but... And what I want you to do is get a mindset saying, I don't want to limit God to what I think God will do, what, I, what others say God will do. I want to read the Word of God and understand what God does, and I want to move into the realm of what God does. And when you read the Word of God, God is always reminding us to do the impossible, to speak the impossible, to live out a life that is impossible apart from Him. You see, there's a lot you can do in your strength, a lot you can do in your power, but what can you do in the power of God? And I want to just encourage you today, and this message is going to be an encouragement for you to move in the power of God and to move God into your situation. You might see God work in somebody else's life, but you say, I don't, I'm happy they're working in their life, but I want to see them working in whose life? In my life. You see, I want to see God acting and moving and living and breathing in my situation. And I think it begins by elevating the name of Christ, lifting the name of Jesus up above every name. I'm so glad that Sean called out uh, Christmas carols that are being played in malls and people are singing and humming. And they don't even know they're singing hallelujah chorus, glory to God in the highest, away in a manger. They don't even know what's going on, and that's because our God is Jehovah Sneaky. Amen. He sneaks the message into each and every situation in life. In the book of Psalms, chapter 145, listen to what the Bible says. I will praise you, my God. If we went no further, that would be enough. I will praise you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name. You see, we ask God to bless us a lot, but God reminds us to bless his name. Have you blessed the name of God? I just bless the name of Jesus. Amen? I just bless the name of Jesus today. You realize that is a name that is above every name. And when we use that name Jesus, we're driving darkness uh, out of the light and into the realms of where it belongs, amen? He says, I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, every day, not on the good days, and the bad, also on the bad days, every day, every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name, it says here, forever and ever. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness, his greatness is unsearchable. You think about how great is God, it's unsearchable. So high and so deep and so wide and so broad is the greatness of God. It is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another. You know what that means? That means whatever God has done great in your life, you tell somebody in another generation what God has done. And you see, Christianity is only one generation uh, into paganism. If we're not lifting up his name, who's going to know about it? Who's going to praise him? You know, I want to tell you, I'll tell you more about this later in December, but we have recently recruited uh, five uh, college students across the nation to be a part of American faith as influencers. And they're all, and they're, they just love Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. 
And our goal is by this time next year, we'll have 50. We'll have one in every state representing and influencing people on social media for the cause of Jesus Christ. You see, we have to make sure every generation is hearing about the gospel of Jesus. Amen? It says, one a generation shall praise your name, your works to another shall declare your mighty acts. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 12. He said, if I be lifted up, he's talking about the cross. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Do you know what brings people to Jesus? It's more than love. It's love portrayed in the cross. You see, if you're not preaching the cross, you're just preaching religion. If you're not lifting up Jesus, you're just talking about church. But you see, you've got to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. And there's a reminder here. I just love the way the Holy Spirit puts things together and some of the things that the music that came together, some of the songs, some of the verbiage. Because in my scripture, listen to this one, and Sean referred to it, it says that Jesus humbled himself. You see, this is the first step to greatness, amen? you got to walk in humility. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has all highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Are you ready? That at the name of what? Oh, that was about as weak as anything I've heard. (laughs) We're going to try it one more time. That at the name of? Yeah, you're getting the idea here? See, the better you participate, the better I preach. The better you participate, the more concise I'm going to be. If I have to stop and give lectures like this periodically, it takes forever to get through a message. So at the name of? Jesus. Oh, you're getting it now. Okay, don't forget it now. When we get a little bit later, you get sleepy, all right? At the name of Jesus, what? Every knee should bow. Not only in the name, but to the name. Every knee is going to bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. There's coming a day when every demonic spirit in the heavenly realms is going to bow their name at the name of Jesus. The one leading there that's going to be at the front of the pack bowing his knee, confessing Jesus as Lord is going to be Satan himself, saying Jesus is Lord. You're getting it. You're coming along. All right? At the name of what? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, in this life, we are given a mission. We are to engage culture. Culture is all around you. You see, some Christians say, I want to live in a subculture. I want to live where it's always safe, where I'm always protected, where I'm never offended, where nobody, I'm not offending anyone. I'm just doing my thing. That Christianity is supposed to be something that's personal. That's the stupidest thing I ever heard in my life. If you ever say it to me, I'm going to remind you, that's stupid. You got it? If somebody says it to you, that's stupid. We have to proclaim the name of Jesus. We have to engage culture. I love the story in Acts chapter 17 of Paul when he goes in to Athens. I don't know if you've ever been in Athens. We were in the very spot where Paul was preaching there in Greece. And listen to the words it says. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. Have you ever seen evil and seen what's going on in our world and your spirit is just provoked? 
It's brought to a point of frustration and anger, and you say, I've got to do something, or maybe you say, somebody should do something. You see, that's first step. Second step is you do something. It says his spirit was provoked within him when he saw a city given over to idols. Any An idol is anything that captures your attention on the same level or greater than God. Whatever you give your affection to more than God, that's your idol. It's quiet when I start talking like this. I don't know why. (laughs) Therefore, look what it says. Therefore, he reasoned. He went in and he's dialoguing. You see, you got to dialogue with people outside of the faith. He reasoned in the synagogue with Jews and with the Gentile worshipers and in the marketplace daily. You know what the marketplace is? Festival center. You go over there, you run in, you run out, you get what you want. You're supposed to be a missionary there. You're supposed to go into the store. You're supposed to go into Target. Hasn't learned its lesson yet. They're back. They're doing the same stuff they did a few months ago. $15 billion later, they still can't figure out. We don't want that stuff. You go in there and you, te- you remind the sales clerks, hey, you know what, why do you have this stuff? I thought you got rid of this. Didn't you lose $15 billion? Dialogue. Don't get mad. Dialogue and ask the questions. I guarantee you every sales clerk will bring that back to the manager. I called the manager. I got him on the phone. It's, hard. it's tricky. you got to be really tricky because they don't, they, they're screening. So I call, and the, and the gal says, well, I need to talk to the manager. Well, what's this about? I said, well, it's a personal matter. I really don't think you want to talk to me about a personal matter that is legal in nature. It is legal. They violated the laws of, of the kingdom of God. I got him on the phone. I said, listen, I'm pastor right up the street here. Yeah, and he didn't want to talk to me. I'm pastor right up the street here, and I just happened to, I, I want to let you know that I'm going to let everybody in our congregation, everybody in our line of audience, everybody on our social media know what your guys are doing. You need to pull that junk out of your, out of your store or at least hide it back in the, in the closet. Why do we do that? Because we are called to engage culture. Engage culture. You see, he says he went in the marketplace with those who happened to be there, men of Athens. He said, I perceive that you are very religious. You're very religious. Today, people don't use that term. Now they say, I'm very spiritual. Have you noticed that? I'm very spiritual. Well, what kind of spirit? Evil spirit? Good spirit? Bad spirit? What kind of spirit? I perceive that you are very religious, for I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. They had so many gods in the pantheon, that means all gods, that they had one they couldn't name. You know what the history behind this was? Apparently there was a plague that was coming through Athens. And the plague stopped, and when the plague stopped on that very spot, on that very day, they decided it must be some unknown God, so they created an altar to an unknown God. Paul picked up on their culture, and listen to what he said, therefore the one whom you worship without knowing, him I proclaim to you, and he preached unto him at that point, Jesus. You see, there's a lot of spiritual people Don't try to correct them. Try to help them to understand who they're really searching for. It's Jesus Christ, amen? They're searching for Jesus. You see, we have to be willing to take action. If you're going to engage culture, you've got to say, I've got to get involved in 
culture. I got to get involved in some way. You, you ought to have some friends that are not Christians so that you can talk to them about Jesus. Don't get in all your holy huddles and think you're super spiritual. You, you got to do more than that, amen? It's, that's a weak amen. Let me try it again. You got to engage culture and talk to people without Christ. Is that an amen? amen. That's an amen. Okay. You got to be, realize that courage is contagious. Now, I like the old westerns. Have you ever, anybody like the old westerns? I mean the old ones, right? And there's always a scene where somebody's going to get a hanging. Have you noticed that? Somebody's going to get hung, you know, and sometimes they say hang him, you know, in the morning and we'll give him a trial tonight. I mean, it's always like funny things. And so there's always, it's the old sheriff with the double shotgun, you know, the the double barrel shotgun. He's got Barney Fife, the young deputy who has zero experience, (laughs) And there's the angry crowd. Are you with me? All right. They're coming down, and they show up always, what, at night with torches. This is like a Hollywood must on the old, on the old movies. They show up, and uh, the young Barney Fife, he looks out, and he says, uh, Sheriff, we better let him go. They're going to kill us. I'll get them first. Old Barney Fife's looking around going like, what? He says, yeah, let's go out. So the old sheriff goes out. The deputy's right behind him. Not next to him, right behind him, right? He lays the shotgun over his arm. And the big mouth of the crowd, big mouth of the crowd says, Sheriff, we're going to hang him. Sheriff says, you probably will. But I'm going to get you first. Have you ever noticed how quickly the crowd disperses? When courage shows up? You see, if you don't act courageous in your life, you're going to be bullied your whole life. Satan is the biggest bully of the universe. You got a double barrel shotgun called Jesus. You lay it over your arm and you say, Jesus will reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. You may take me out but I'm going to take you out first. You see, Christianity is counterculture to this world. You will encounter resistance. Be courageous. Don't be surprised by opposition, but counter the opposition with the power of God. Don't be surprised by the fiery trials that come upon you to test you as though some strange thing were happening to you. Be courageous. You see, we're entering into a battle bigger than most of us realize. The spirit of this age seeks to rob individuals and whole nations of their freedom and their national sovereignty. The battle is not physical, it is spiritual. Don't be surprised if you feel weary. This means you are engaging with the enemy, but you will win. You need to sharpen your spiritual senses. You will need to live closer to God than you ever have before. You will need to increase your commitment to the Lord and to his church. You you, you need to be the church of the last days. You see, the last day church will stand not on tradition, not on culture, but on the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know a holy remnant is waking up. I think some of them are in this room. Are you a holy remnant? Put your hands together and give God the glory today. 
Instead of fear, there will be praise. In the darkest hour, the church around the globe is lifting the high praises of God. Millions right now around the world are raising their collective voices. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language declares the glory of the Lord. Revival is on its way. Now, I want you to know persecution will increase, but that's not new. It will increase, but so will supernatural power. You see, God's never going to give you more than you can't handle. God's going to. You may be led into difficulties and trials. You may be standing strong, but I want you to know the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come on you like you can't believe. But he's not going to come if you're not doing anything. You don't need power if you're sitting back afraid. You only need power if you're rushing toward hell. You say, well, I don't know why if I want to do that. Well, then sit back and be quiet. But don't get in the way of anybody who wants to rush hell with a pistol. Amen? I mean, just be courageous for God. You see, persecution will increase, but so will power. All through history, the demonic forces thought they won the war. In the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid themselves from God and were ashamed. But you know what God did? God clothed them and restored them and brought them back into the kingdom. They laughed at Noah. They said, you're a fool, until the rain began to fall. Then they begged him to open the door, but God sealed it shut. Joshua was afraid to lead Israel into the promised land, but God strengthened him and gave him great courage, the same courage that he gives you. Stand when you want to run. Fight when you think it's all lost. God is your strength. God is your power. You will overcome. You will win the battle. They thought they defeated Moses when guilt drove him into the desert. Forty years he stayed away from the power of God. Forty years he hid in the wilderness. Forty years he didn't know what God's promises were for him because he was so guilty He was so ashamed of his life. And you see, Satan will cause you to feel shame and tell you you're not worthy of God's power. I want you to know you weren't worthy before you got saved. What do you think you are? You're really worthy because you're the son and the daughter of the living God. You see, you say, well, I'm just ashamed of what I've done. Okay, confess it and get on with it. Look around. You've got a whole room full of guilty sinners. Now, some of you say, not me. Well, we'll get you saved sooner or later. Don't worry. (laughs) Oh, but when God restored Moses, he confronted Pharaoh and called down the ten plagues on Egypt, and then they begged him to leave. They were so desperate, they said, take our gold, take our silver, take our precious stones, and please leave. You see, I believe the true church, the true church, not the church, The true church is waking up in the midst of the clatter of empty words. We sing the high praises of the Most High God. We drive demons back into hell where they belong. Give God the glory. (laughs) Satan is the author of fear. He overplayed his hand. He thought COVID would stop the church. He thought the government control would stop the church. He thought the economy would stop the church. He thought wars and rumors of wars would stop the church. But I remind you, not even the gates of hell will prevail against, can you say it with me, the church. Not even the gates of hell. 
The true church will not be stopped by man or by demon. It will not be stopped by government or big pharma. It will not be stopped by politicians or big tech. It will not be stopped by tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or peril of sword. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through God who loves us. Amen. I am persuaded, I don't know about you, but I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers or things present or things to come will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. God is for you. Who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Do not be overcome. I have already overcome the world, Jesus said. Can you give that a big amen? See, the church does not walk by sight, it walks by faith. If you start walking by sight, you're gonna be in a mess. You say, well, I don't see God's doing anything. Well, he won't, because you're walking by sight. You gotta walk by faith. You know what faith is? It's walking into the unknown, believing God's word is true, whether you see it or not. It's calling those things which are not as though they are. It's walking on the borderline of disaster. If God doesn't come through, his word is a lie and you're a fool. You see, faith is that unbelievable thing that's out of this world. It just doesn't make sense in this world. It's other than this world. This world talks about risk. God talks about faith. That's the earthly equivalent of faith. You say, I'm gonna take a risk, okay? I'm gonna walk by faith. The difference is I got God supporting me in risk, I got me supporting me. I don't know about you, I'd rather have God than me. How, anybody like that? You gotta have to exercise faith. It says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, these words, listen to it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't grow in faith without the word. You can sit around and hum and get in a lotus position. You can do whatever you wanna do. You ain't gonna grow in faith. What you gotta do is read the word of God, read back the word of God, read it aloud, confess the word of God, and say, I'm walking in the word of the living God. God's word does not return void. Can you say amen? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the division of the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow. It reveals the true intentions of the heart, and I want you to know his word is pure like silver refined in a furnace of fire seven times. It will come out, and it will accomplish everything God has said it will accomplish. you got to read the word to grow in faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. you just hearing the word today. Your faith is growing. You say, I, when you say, I believe that, your faith is growing. When you read it yourself, your faith is growing. When you read it to somebody else, your faith is growing. Have you got the idea? Yeah. Amen, amen. You see, God alone creates substance out of our hopes and our dreams. Now think about that. You got things you hope for. You got things you dream for. It's faith that's gonna give God the catalyst to create that which you're believing him for. God must become your spiritual focal point. If you focus on your problem, your problems will get bigger every day you think about them. You know it's true. Ever, anybody ever have a bully in school? We had bullies in school. I remember, I, I remember days when I didn't want to go to school. I fake sick. My mom would believe everything I said. I'm sick, Mom. She said, okay, you just stay here, honey. I was an only child. Well taken care of. You know, you can only do that so many days, though. 
Then the bully, the bully was in my same gym class. And I said, I, you know, I said, I, the, the coach, I said, my, my leg hurts. Okay, you set this one out. I didn't want to get out there at the bully. Finally, I just got so tired of being bullied. Now, I know this is not very spiritual what I'm getting ready to tell you. <laughs> Do not try this at school, students. But I got so mad at getting pushed around, called names, you know, by the bully. I went up to him in the, on, the, on the school ground. Without even saying a word, I punched him right in the nose. He started bleeding. He started crying. And he never bullied me again. I went to the principal's office and got the board. Those was the good old days when you got the board. Amen? Let me tell you, that'll change your life. Because if you're a, a, a principal or a vice principal, you're a frustrated human being. Because you've got to somehow be nice to all those kids who aren't. And when they swing that paddle, that paddle was about four feet long. It has holes drilled in it to increase velocity, had rubber bands around it to increase the sting. He, he took two-handled board. He hit me so hard, I mean, it knocked me into Nebraska. <laughs> but I didn't punch the bully no more, but I didn't have to. I got a feeling that Satan's been bullying some of you around. And you're trying to miss class, miss church, Miss opportunities, miss faith, missing everything, when all God wants you to do is confront him in the name of Jesus. Amen? You see, you need, to, you need to realize, stop telling God how big the mountain is. Such a big mountain. I don't know what I'm going to do, God. I got a big mountain. I can't face this mountain. Why don't you start, why don't you start telling the mountain how big your God is? How big is your God? You see, without faith, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Without faith, you cannot move mountains. Without faith, you cannot challenge the forces of hell. We're born with double vision. We see possibilities and we see limitations. We get to decide which we're going to see. Am I going to see possibilities or am I going to see limitations in my life? We're born with courage. We're born with fear. You get to choose. Am I going to choose courage or am I going to choose fear? You see, we're born with the idea of success and failure. If you embrace failure in your life, you will fail. If you embrace success, you will be more successful than you would have been had you not embraced success because your mindset changes. You know, the month of December is a, is a strategic month for us as a church for so many reasons because somehow we're trying to bring everything that we've done to, to, a, to a pinnacle and say, this is what we've done. This is what God has accomplished in this year, and this is what we plan to do next year. You see, and so God wants to lead us in that direction. God wants to give us some direction. You notice you got a brochure there, and there's four major things we want to see God do in our miracle offering this year. We do this every year, and, and we ask you to pray about it and kind of lean into it. And this year, the Holy Spirit kind of pulled a fast one on me because we got the brochure done, and then he gave me some better insight. Now here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to look at that wall. Do you see where that, that green tape is going over the top of that building right there? Can you see it? How many, if you see it, raise your hand. All right, so that's most of you. Okay, you see that whole section? We're taking that whole section out, and we're widening the dock 22 feet. And, and what it's going to do, it's going to give everyone out there a better perspective, and it's going to add a lot of seats to what we're doing. And as I looked at it, I, I began to think, well, you know, I don't know if we've gone far enough. I don't know if that's all that God wants us to do. 
And then I stood here, and then I, I want you to look at that wall. I looked at that wall, and I said, well, you know, that's a pretty nice wall. We don't really use that wall very much. I think we should use that wall a little bit more. So I want to show you what, uh, what we conceived of. We got with our architect, been the same one that's been with us the whole time. And I, and I said, Robert, I want to do something to improve the quality of seating for, and visibility for everybody. Because if you're sitting out there in that area, you don't see any of these screens. Right? So I'm going to show you a short video. It's going to have a, a blueprint, and it's going to have a short 3D video to go with it. And then I'll, I'll talk over it as, it as you see it, okay? How does it look? You like that? All right, well... There's power in a presentation. <laughs> Whenever you have a presentation, you want it to be on spot, on time, and ready to go. Amen? So I know they're back in there looking for the link. So while they're looking for that link, uh, I want to let me describe it to you a little bit here. So what we're going to do is we're going to, on that wall, we're going to move this major screen here. And on the sides of it, we're basically going to move the entire stage to that end of the building. And then every chair is going to face that way including the dock, so everybody out there, remember, we're 22 feet wider, and we're, you're going to be able to see from there the entire front of this building here and what we're doing here. Here we go. That's not it. I don't think. There it is. That's it. Okay, here we go. Now, so you see you're coming in the front door, and now the stage is going to be here to your right. And here's a 3D model that shows if you're walking through these doors. We had no idea that shifting this would make such a big difference in so many ways. But it really takes us from about 800 seats to 1,100 seats in this space. And we're going to be working with the architect. This is pretty new. So we're going to be working with them to try to fine tune what we're doing here and get it all dialed in. You say, when are you going to do this, Pastor? Well, it'll take a little while because mainly you've got a lot of wires to run. This will be our first phase. We'll start here by widening this. This will make a big difference. And then we're going to reorient it. We're going to have to buy some additional chairs, obviously, to make this work. But we believe this is going to give us uh, a better future uh, and a better experience for everyone here. Amen? And so what I want, you, want to ask you to do is I want you to take a look at that brochure. We initially set up and said we thought we needed about $125,000. We think we can do it for pretty close to that. And that's pretty reasonable because we were just thinking that. But we begin to think about it, pray about it, see what God could do. But, you know, whenever we talk about our miracle offering, we're thinking, how do we, how do, we do things that are strategic? And so... Everything that we do, those four areas that you're going to see there, whether it's a building fund or media fund, um, you know, a mission fund, they're all designed to say, how can we be strategic as a church? How can we make a bigger difference in our world every day? And we recognize that, that every one of us can do something. Every one of us can lean in and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? 
What do you want me to do? So in the first decade, we talked about uh, being pioneers, and, and so many of you were here from those early days, and we said, we, we're going to start a church. And we don't know what that's going to look like. We didn't know the full expression of it or what we would be able to accomplish. But in the second decade, we're talking about being builders. And, of course, you know, it's, all, it, it's not even been a year since we purchased and closed on the building next door, our ministry center. And God just enabled us to, to raise uh, the money to buy a $6 million building. And, and now God has just blessed us with that. On January 23rd, we will celebrate one year of closing on that building. I mean, to the glory of God. Today we have the official opening of our, it's been open, but today's the official opening of our new kids area. And now we've got, now we've got a 2,000 square foot worship center, total almost 6,000 square feet of space for our kids. Uh, they're enjoying that today, and God is blessing that. We just did, we just finished that up, and, and God's doing something because our kids, last Sunday we had so many bed babies that we literally had three or four workers just carrying babies because there was no place to put them. So I've suggested we get Velcro suits for the babies. And we just kind of stick them up on the wall. You know what I mean? I think it'd be kind of cute, kind of like a wall sconce. You know what I mean? But you see, it's up to us to set the tone for the future. Set the tone for the future. You know, we don't know how long until the Lord comes back. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's 50 years someday. I don't know. I mean, when I read, the, read what's happening in our world, I go, God, it looks to me like you're, you're about ready to come. But, God, we're not going to stop working until you come. We're not going to stop believing until you come. We're not going to stop praying and, and seeing miracles until you come. We're going to set the tone for the future and for our generations. You know, most of our staff is young. We've been purposely hiring younger staff every year. Just kind of, If we're going to hire somebody, we hire them young because we want to train them up. And we, our staff is, has great longevity. I mean, they stay here forever. It's just like amazing. It's just a blessing of God. So we just, you know, the youngest one we hired was 17 years old, still in high school. And, uh, and you know, she's just been a great asset. But we're going to see God do things over the, over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years if God should tarry. We're praying about some other things uh, uh, that we're going to really excited about. We're going to be launching a university here. We've partnered with Faith International University out of, uh, out of Washington. And we're going to be offering, uh, you're going to have an opportunity to take classes right here for your bachelor's, for your master's, and for a doctor's degree. It's fully accredited, fully accredited. And then we're going to give the practical. For those who are going into ministry, we'll be able to give them opportunity to intern right here and earn extra credits that can be applied toward their program. You see, we're, we're, we're thinking about the future. We're plotting for the future. We've expanded our, our, our learning center now. It goes up to eighth grade. It's not, I, I expect in another year or two, I don't know how long it'll be. They'll probably do it by tomorrow, but, but we'll be through 12th grade. We'll be able to offer opportunities for through for basically kindergarten, pre-kindergarten, all the way through the doctor level of education. And it'll all be fully accredited. It'll all be for God's glory. You know, we, we don't, we, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I just, whenever I start, I, I'm, I was a daydreamer. Anybody of you daydreamers in school? You know, that every report said he would be a good student, but he daydreams. I couldn't take it. I, my dreams were more exciting than the teacher. And I'd dream of things, and I'd see things. I'd be visiting. I mean, I, I, even to this day, if I watch Iron Man, I am Iron Man. 
Wife comes in, and I just puff out my chest a little bit and say, I am Iron Man. God loves dreams. God loves visions. God's a creator God. He created you as creatures, but he created you creative. And every one of you, God's put something in you that's, that's just magnificent. And whether it seems like a small thing or a great thing, a big thing or a grand thing, I want you to know it was given to you by God. God wants to do something. He wants us to create a legacy for the next generation. What can we do? You know, you plant a tree for the next generation. We were over in Geneva, Switzerland, and we went into St. Paul Cathedral there, and it, it's a cathedral that is hundreds and hundreds of years old, and I remember we took the tour, and the guy that took, had the tour, he, he had a hammer with him, and he went over and he said, how many of you think I could put a dent in that wooden pew? We all raised our hand. We know you could. You got a hammer. He went over and took that hammer and hit that wooden pew, and it didn't even dent. He said, let me tell you the secret here. The average lifespan in Geneva, Switzerland, at the time this was built, was 47 years old. They would take and cut down trees. They would soak them in water. They discovered if they would soak them in water 100 years, they would turn into almost iron. They were soaking trees for three generations to come. The father would never be able to use that tree. His son would probably never be able to use that tree, but the third generation to come would use that tree, and they built the cathedral there in Geneva out of that lumber. I want to know, are you soaking anything for the next generation? Are you planning for the next generation? Are you doing anything? You see, you can hold on to your money. You can hold on to your time. You can hold on to your talents, but it won't do you any good unless you invest it in the future. Amen? And that's what it's really all about is investing in the future, making the world a better place, whether in any realm, in every realm that you can operate in, wherever God has given you heart and talent, lean into that for the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Can you, if you receive it, would you say, I receive that in God's name? Amen. Now, I'm just going to ask you, just this is, this is December. This begins our, our year-end thoughts about what God's going to do. What's God want you to do? What level of generosity can you move in for the glory of God? You see, we're going we're gonna to move. We can only move as fast as you help us move because we're in this together. I want you to stand with me right now, and I want you to think about this thought. I have to sacrifice to make the world a better place. I have to sacrifice to make the world. I can't, the world's not going to be better without somebody sacrificing something. I have to sacrifice to make the world a better place. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I want to give myself to you and to your kingdom. I want to pray your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, I want to pray that you will cause me to rise up against all the onslaught of this world and be the Christian man and woman you want me to be. I pray, God, that you're going to give me the power and the authority and the reasoning to act with great authority in my world. I pray, God, that you're going to lead me to give and to, to be generous, God, and that you're going to provide for me every step of the way. God, I'm on, I want to be like the prophets of old where you feed me from unexplained sources, where you su sustain me from unbelievable places. 
where I, the only explanation for my life is the Spirit of God. And Spirit of God, I ask you to do something today, right now, right now in my heart, in my life, in my family. Commit yourself right now to God. Just say, I commit to you, Jesus, to be my King, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know him today. If there's any doubt in your mind, I want you to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins, that you were buried, rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, by faith, I receive you as Lord and Savior. Was that your prayer? If that was your prayer, Jesus came into your life. Jesus saved you. If that was your prayer, would you lift your hand right now? Don't be ashamed. Just lift your hand up all across this altar. Amen. Just lift your hands up. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to know, follow Jesus. Live for Jesus.